Good afternoon and welcome to the Weekly Take with your host Johnny Phillips alongside Sean Clappis via WhatsApp on this Saturday, May 23rd, 2020 on Young News Podcast, uh, sharing with you our thoughts on current events. And you know, Sean, you brought up a great point a couple days ago. You texted me and you said, you know, is this, you know, the new normal? And I really thought about it. I thought it was a great way to start off the show because I think a lot of people are asking, is this the new normal? And it goes across many domains. You know, I see legally people are asking, is this the new normal now? Are we now going to have have to legally explain to the government why we should be given our rights back instead of the government <laughs> yeah. legally explaining to us why they have taken our rights? I think economically, is it the new norm? Has it now become the new norm to just print money, spend, 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 going to more debt, more debt, more debt? Is this ultimately the new normal? And I think the last thing I have to bring up, obviously, we spoke about it before, you know, medically speaking, have the state doctors now become the priests of the past? Are they now the ones who are the moralists? They're going to be the ones saying, we hold the truth, we speak the truth, everything we say is right and in the interest of you and your family and anyone who comes to us with a different opinion will be removed, either from Facebook, from YouTube. This is something that obviously has taken place, Sean, along with the other two items I've said for the past couple of months. And I'm asking the question, you're asking the question, is this the new norm? And so with that said, I'd like to pass that invisible microphone over to you and uh, welcome you to the show. Uh, thanks, John. Well, hang on. Let me let me take off this mandatory mask that I'm supposed to wear now that I'm that – I'm, uh, <laughs> because I live in Spain um, – yeah, maybe you can hear me a little bit better now. But yeah, this um, I, I, I did pose that question. Is this the new normal? Because if you look and, you know, something that kind of made me think about it was looking on um, the Spanish government website outlining the phases of reopening the economy. And eventually the the last goal that it shows phase four and beyond is uh, they have it labeled as a Nueva Normal, the new normal, basically. And I'm wondering, why isn't it just normal? Why does it have to be called the new normal? What is it that they're getting at here? Is it, is it that we can't go back to our lives as we were living them previously? Is that now we have to be kind of aware of this sort of state oversight that they increasingly are encroaching upon us I, yeah. I, it was it was very interesting that they worded it like that yeah the new normal and i'm like what's so new about this normal is this normal should be what we have always had which was our autonomy and our freedom to you know to a certain degree in this country yeah so uh, I, I, that got me thinking what is this new normal because this is funny you know john here in spain at least and, and i imagine the united states but you know, every time I would mention something on, uh, online or on Facebook, or I would I would lament about it. I would say, you know, I'm, this is I'm worried about this. What this is doing to our to our to our rights, to our individual civil liberties. You know, in in whatever veiled criticism or another, um, or unveiled, and people would always respond, going, "It's okay." They would write in Spanish, "Ya queda menos." It's like one day less now yeah. today. It's like already a day less of confinement. And, you know, I kind of want to, you know, they all, they all mean well. They're all like, yeah, keep a positive attitude. I understand. I understand. And I don't want to thrash them or anything like that. But that is a very servile attitude 
because when this started, our confinement was only supposed to last two weeks. Then the government tacked on another two weeks, and then another, and then another. So, you know, ya queda menos becomes ya queda mas and mas, and, and more and more and more every single day. And yet everyone seems to be fine with it. They seem, oh, yeah, no, just one day less. It's okay, just one day less of the confinement. And I'm like, listen, guys, we're not going less, less, less. We're going we're going more, more, more. We're going in the other way. Correct. So, Correct. Why Why is it? And I understand, oh, no, this won't last forever. It's like, really? Well, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think it'll last forever because people won't allow it to last forever. Correct. The government keeps on tacking on time, and Madrid has been behind on this because of, of government bureaucracy. And now that they're letting us out, now masks are mandatory. So where does it end? When, when do we go back to our lives? And yeah. Everyone keeps saying, reassuring me, no, it's okay, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. All right, I'm waiting for that evidence. I'm waiting for the evidence that shows me it's going to be fine, and I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, too, is in terms of the evidence, you've showed me evidence, but you haven't showed me into proportion to what the evidence would be on the other side of the issue. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the frustrating part. You know, I don't care if they're showing cases and death and the problems that are happening as a result of COVID-19. What about the problems that are happening after, you know, it, you know, as a result of not doing this? You know, I have a client of mine. He has a severe illness. He was supposed to do a mid-March surgery that was pretty significant, okay, yeah. in terms of him getting back uh, and improving his health. His, 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 his surgery was, po- was postponed, you know, and I don't think he's alone. I think a lot of these uh, stories are across the country. I don't care if it's if you're suffering from depression and you need. Uh, I'll give you an example, Sean. I don't know yeah. what they're doing in Spain, but did anyone think about the consequences of shutting down in-person AA meetings? Did, did anyone think about the fact that there are people out there, maybe they just started attending church to get their life back on order, and they've been having a small group discussion, discussing a biblical book, okay, and it was pointing everyone in a positive direction, okay, and now all of a sudden you have this group, you have your routine, you've really made a comeback, you started off the year well, and all of a sudden something like this hits, and it's fascinating for me to see how a lot of the negative things that have taken place have not made the headlines. It's okay, Sean, if people want to put the things that have happened that are bad, obviously taking place in nursing homes, you know, put things in context and then put some things that have taken place that have been bad on the other side of the issue because of all these lockdowns, these shutdowns, these lack of face-to-face interactions. There's just a lot of... There's a lot of what's going on that's not being reported, and it only, you know, I'm. It only gets people like me to ask more questions, to ask more questions, and many ways, Sean, it continues to have people like me continue to lose trust in what used to be known as trustful institutions and organizations. Yeah, um, you know, I'm going to go back to the point you brought up about about kind of you know community whether people were going into AA meetings or 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 a, a church service or any type of a community based organization i'm afraid we're going to see a lot of alcoholism and drug abuse cases of death and 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 crime spike unfortunately because of this because of this lack of face to face community and this kind of shaming of face to face community and also to bring up your point about nursing homes you know, Cuomo in New York 
right when this all started, he's, yeah. in order to try to make room in yeah. hospitals, which they they essentially didn't end up needing. You know yep. that whole that that navy ship was empty. Yep. Uh, he stuck he stuck uh, COVID patients into nursing homes yeah. with old folks, yeah. and then you saw the numbers of old of old people in nursing homes. The deaths skyrocket through yep. the roof. Yep. And why this is not getting more wider coverage and why Cuomo isn't resigning immediately is is kind of beyond me. This is like a huge, huge scandal that I don't see anyone really jumping on except for conservative media. Yeah. And um, I don't see CNN talking about this. I don't even really need see Fox News talking about this that much. But it's like this is a huge scandal. And and it's. You know, for some reason, people are are saying, no, we need to trust the experts. We need to trust the ones in charge. And the ones in charge continue to fail us. And the experts, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to pivot to Dr. Fauci. We're, we're going to go on his advice and nobody else's, even though he hasn't practiced medicine in 40 years. He's been a government bureaucrat for 30 years. Yep. Meanwhile, there are other, there are, dis, there are dissenting voices like Dr., uh, what's his name, Dan Erickson. Yep. Who's talking about? No, no, no. We need to get outside. We need to build build our immune systems. We need to create herd immunity. Yep. Masks, masks are not helping us because we're we're essentially cutting off our viral load. Everyone should be taking in a little try taking a little bit of viral load so that we could try to beat this virus. Correct. Correct. And and, and the fact that we do need germs. I think people have forgotten that whole idea. That mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. In my opinion, Sean, it's just immune system one hundred and one information. You need to be around germs because your body needs to constantly fight things that are not good so that it can be strong and ready for when maybe a bigger sickness comes along. And if I, one of the most dangerous things I can do for my profession is to be in an isolated place without germs, without anything for my immune system to attack and strengthen against. And therefore, all of a sudden, six months later, be placed in a situation where I am around germs, germs that might be a lot more dangerous than other germs I would have had in the past that I wasn't able to fight. Now yeah. we're in a much more catastrophic situation. And this is not me. I mean, I'm 32, but you know, the bottom line is there's people that are older than me who have isolated themselves, who think that this is the best strategy going forward, and they have no clue what they're in for come this fall. Yeah. You know, John, that's... Um... This makes me think about wildfires. You know, I, I think in in, uh, in California, yes. this you know last year wildfires were really really severe. Yep. And a lot of people point to global warming and say, "Oh, this is all climate change caused." And while certainly some of it is climate based, most of that is based on the fact that there's too much development in rural areas where normal small wildfires would go through and burn the brush away. Yes. Right. Yes. You would have, you know, and, and, and what happens is you have all this excess of tinder yes. where people have built their houses. And so obviously they don't want wildfires going through their properties, Yep. but then you have this excess of tinder build up and build up and build up. And eventually when there is a wildfire, yes. it becomes uncontrollable and, and, and absolutely devastating. And this is, essentially this is kind of like the immune system like the body your your body is constantly fighting off free radicals all the time and dealing with germs and dealing with little i mean you're we we all everyone's got cancer in their body we've all got cancer cells but your body is able to keep that in check most of the time right yeah and a lot of people don't realize this that everyone has cancer cells inside of them it's essentially it's essentially regular cells that have gone rogue and yep. start growing out of out of proportion until yes. they start to kill the body so i mean we need 
these little mini forest fires to go on in our bodies all the time. Otherwise, otherwise we just become, we, we, you know, our immunity starts to disappear and we, and our, all of our guards start to go, go down. All of our shields start to go down. And then when a big bug comes through, when a big wildfire comes through, it just completely consumes us and we can't handle it. Correct. Correct. And that's, that's my worry in terms of what's going on in terms of, and, and you know, what, what's going to be in the future and, and it seems to me like I'm not a doctor, Sean. All I try to do is say, okay, the minute you have shut someone down, the minute you silence someone, the minute you mock them, you most likely will get me interested in that person, even if they're yes. radically opposed <laughs> yeah, to what I believe. Me too. Okay. So when I start seeing a few doctors obviously start you know, getting the shaft and, and they start getting banned, it gets me interested in what they are saying. And yeah. I'm not going to take everything they say, right, and say, oh, yes, I can't wait to see what this person says so I can go back and tell the other person that they're wrong. Like, that's not what I want to do. I want to hear what they say because the odds are they're going to give me something new, something new I haven't heard before, something that is helpful, something that gets me thinking about something else. And, yeah. you know, one of the things I brought up uh, was the fact that, you know, right now, when it comes down to this word vaccine, Sean, I'm looking at the coronavirus, and from my understanding, from from the information I received, specifically from a podcast I listened to yesterday, mm -hmm. the coronavirus vaccine has been around for years. Okay, mm. when I say years, I believe it's fifty. I believe we've been trying at the vaccine situation for twenty years. Okay, okay. So I got, I, so, I got, yeah. It got me thinking. So this coronavirus is around for twenty years. And we don't come up with an effective vaccine, okay, so far for anything. You know, there's nothing in the news that says we are 100% certified, guaranteed, whatever, that this vaccine works. And now all of a sudden, after 20 years of all this work and all this money spent and all this research, doctors getting together, trying to get a vaccine. Now all of a sudden, this virus is different. That this coronavirus can be get can we can get a vaccine for this, and not only a new vaccine, but the new the new evidence out there or the new the new information suggests that it might be ready in a less than a year. Okay, possibly ready. And I'm like, okay, can we can we stop for a second, Sean? Can we stop? Well, well, let's back up. Why don't we put this in proportion? People people say there'll be a vaccine available. Okay, in a year. However, you should know that over the past 20 years, all the money spent, all the research done, all the doctors got together, and they have still failed to get a successful coronavirus vaccine available. And, and, and it doesn't seem like they want to put that into proportion. They're getting people's hopes up like this is the real deal. So that got my, that got my attention. The second thing was I was fascinated to find out about how a lot of these people who make the vaccines mm – -hmm. They don't have to worry about class action lawsuits. They are actually protected by the federal government and mm. cannot obviously be sued for liability the way that another company like a restaurant, a small business, okay, can be sued for obviously doing something that severely harms or perhaps is fatal to another person. And again... These people are pushed aside. Whatever the state doctors say, they are the new priests. It's fascinating for me to say that there's a lot of people, especially on the right, they say, oh, our world's so corrupt. You know, no one's, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much on a tangent here, but no one's, 
You know, no one's following God. No one's doing this and all these godless people. And then all of a sudden the doctor gets up and they say, well, he's, he's, he's an exception because he's a doctor. He's wearing a white coat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, Sean. It's just, <laughs> some things just don't seem to be adding up for me. You, you, you bring up a good point about like a state-funded uh, science research. And, you know, I've really kind of changed my tune on this in the, in the past few years. Because when you, when you think about it, kind of on the, um, on the surface, it sounds great. Oh, the, the, the government is funding scientific research. This is great. Excellent. I'm all for science. I'm a man of science, you know. Um, but then you present this, you get presented with a problem. Why does science need to be chasing after government money? Hmm. You know, like if yeah. we, we should be, we should be a culture and for, for, to a certain degree, we are, we are a culture that cares about science and cares about scientific development. Right. And what we've seen, and I can, you know, I mean, there's plenty of economists and scientists themselves who will back me up on this is a lot of scientific stagnation and a lot of scientific, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I guess stagnation is a good way to put it. Yeah. In terms of in terms of the sciences, you've seen you've seen scientists and scientific groups rally around only a certain amount of issues that the government is interested in funding, right? Yeah. Where yeah. It's very selective. Yeah, very selective. Pre 1950, so it's become much less diverse in terms of scientific study yeah. all around the United States. Yeah. You know, and, and scientists will point out they'll say, yeah, I mean, we haven't made any real big rides in terms of physics or quantum physics or quantum mechanics or astrophysics really haven't made any big strides since the 50s you know yep. since the 40s 50s 60s and you know a lot of a lot of a lot of uh the research uh like with a large hadron collider a lot of you know and i'm sorry i'm going off on a science tangent here but a lot of the recent research that has been validated is validated based on theory and proofs that have, that were kind of created in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So we have we've seen this kind of a, a really big stagnation in a yeah. lot of the scientific fields, and that's because scientists are not they're not going after certain fields because well the government is not paying for those things. Well, yeah. you should be. I mean, shouldn't we be diversifying where we're getting our our, our scientific funding from? Because this is it's kind of like it, it, it's kind of like a pitfall when the government says, oh, we're offering this money for so and so. Everybody flocks to 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 that. Everyone yeah. flocks to, for that government check. And they kind of they kind of forget who they are and they forget objectivity. And they say, well, for example, like artists and musicians, I'm going to go off on another tangent. Artists and musicians, when they try to vie for a government grant. They spend all their time writing grants and they mm. don't spend their time composing or writing music. Yeah. And then when they do get the grant, the, the music that they, they present, a lot of the times it sucks. Yeah. It sucks because it's not inspired. The whole reason they're trying, to, they're trying to write the music is so that they can get this government grant. But it's yeah. like, listen, I understand money's, money's good. Money talks. We all need money. But you're, you're losing the point of why. It's, it's, it's like you're chasing after this carrot on a string that the government is holding in front of you. That's not the reason why we should be practicing science or should be practicing art or music. Yeah. So I feel like when we, when we're putting science and medicine under this umbrella of government protection, you unfortunately pigeonhole lives, a lot of scientists and you change, you change their incentives from being about hard science and finding the truth to being, I need to appease a government bureaucrat. So they write a check for me. 
Yeah. No, it's a good point. And it's almost like people who go about this way of thinking say there's tremendous amount of tyranny in our life. But it seems like they're only focused on a tyrannical uh, type of attitude um, and nature only comes from the private industry. But the government, the government does not get tyrannical. Only the private right. industry does. And then they're you have, always on your side. They're yeah, always on your side. Yeah, and then you have other people that say all that can happen from the government is tyrannical. Anything that comes out of pharmaceutical companies, private companies, can only be good things. Versus right. saying, wait a second, you guys are both missing something. Yeah. How about anything that gets very, very large, very, very much you know, powerful, a lot of control, a lot of influence? How about we all can agree that anything that gets to that type of size becomes tyrannical by nature. Can we can we agree that something can blow up so big, get so powerful? I mean, this is the this goes back to just the condition of pride. How many stories have we read as a kid, even as adults, where someone gets something, they become prosperous, they get bigger and bigger and bigger, they get more prideful, more prideful, more prideful, they lose humility. And in losing humility, they lose discernment, they lose care, they lose compassion, they lose understanding of the past and where they came from, and they fall apart. I just don't understand why it seems when you look at red states, blue states, you know, conservative, liberal, fighting over certain issues, it seems like one side says the government is never tyrannical, only the private industry needs to be kept in check. And the other side says the private industry never becomes tyrannical, only the public industry is tyrannical. It just seems like we have this disconnect. And 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 I think it's very frustrating and I think it's really unfortunate, especially Sean, at a time like this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that you that's a really good point about red states, blue states. I mean I remember when George W. Bush was president and you had all of these kind of small you know conservatives who essentially said that they were for limited government uh, suddenly they were all gung ho about oh George W Bush and the American military they can't they can do no wrong yes. they're essentially giving up their they're essentially allowing the government to blow up to a ridiculous size and it's like yep. well i mean you what what is it is it that the government when a government becomes too big it becomes tyrannical oh not in this case though not in the case of, of W yeah, and then I'll and then I'll pivot to the other side. The same thing with uh with with like Bernie Sanders with the you know hardcore Bernie Sanders people. They're like, yeah, you know, we, we want the government to take care of this. We want free healthcare. We want the government to provide this. Blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, so you want Bernie Sanders and the government to have all of this power over your lives? Well, I mean, if it's Bernie Sanders is in that seat, you seem to be fine with it. But what if Trump was in that seat? Oh. Oh, no, I wouldn't want him to have that kind of power. Yeah. It's like, well, you don't you don't get to choose. If the government has that kind of power over your lives, sometimes it's going to be the person who you want in the office. Sometimes it's not going to be the person who you want in the office. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, are, are you going to, you know, you seem to be okay if this person has all the power, but not okay if this person has all the power. Yeah. It doesn't matter because, because they're both in a, in a, in a powerful government position so yeah you know you're, it's it's you're you're being hypocritical here and this is yeah. you see this on both the left and the right you're being hypocritical here and it's almost like they're looking for a messiah because in my opinion is the problem with this type of thought uh process that goes on is you have now no longer stood on certain ideological under like you've no longer looked at ideology and instead you're looking at personality and, and this is something very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I think you're right. 
I think that if all of a sudden Donald Trump pivoted and started speaking the rhetoric of Bernie Sanders, saying there are a lot of people on Wall Street that are ripping the working class off, uh-huh. I think there are a lot of students that have been left out in the dust and need universal education when it comes down to trade schools and getting back to work. And I also believe that there's incredible discrepancy in our healthcare system. It's time for massive reform and making sure that we have a public and private option available for Americans. If that were mm-hmm. to come out of the words of Donald Trump, technically speaking, you should mm-hmm. technically have all of these people that support Bernie Sanders, they should technically yeah. love President Donald Trump. And I can right. guarantee you that would never happen. And so now I'm thinking it wouldn't happen. Why? Have, have we now become kind of have have these, you know, Jesus, Satan kind of approaches where like one person, if we don't like them, no matter what they say or stand for, we have now already said this person's Satan and then this person's a savior. You know, yeah. this person will no matter what this this person, just their person alone has the ability to destroy us. This person just alone has the ability to save us. And it just kind of goes down that that dark path, in my opinion, of forgetting about the fact that you have something inside of you in which you can bring about and manifest and make beautiful and change your life and change the people around you. And that's kind of been lost, you know, with the pharmaceutical and the government industry. And you talked about there's been a lack of it's kind of a void, especially in the health department in terms of getting people free from pills and drugs. You know, there's been nothing in terms of on the news and how a person, how a how an individual, Sean, can step up to the plate and with simple, natural ways change their life when it comes down to their health and help their immune system and help their bodies defend things that are attacking it. There's been no emphasis on the individual not needing the government nor the private industry, the pharmaceutical company nor the CDC to come to them and tell them what to do. And I think that's frustrating. Yeah. You have to you have to dig. Look, if you ask us if you ask the average person who's Wim Hof and have you heard about the cold shower breathing techniques? They're not gonna right. know. They're not gonna know. And I'm not saying he's you know he's a savior himself, but what he's what he's doing, okay, and for those people who don't know, the bottom line is he's taking something that everyone can participate in without having to spend a dollar. That is what right. he's doing. So you're no longer dependent on a private drug company. You're no no longer dependent on a government program, okay? So your traditional right and left have kind of been uh, uh, thrown away, and now yeah. you've taken you've taken your health into your own hands. It's fascinating to me that someone like this. And people like this, he's not the only one, are not being given a chance to obviously speak when it comes down to that mainstream, uh, that mainstream medium. Yeah, yeah, and that Wim Hof's a good example. I think, I think he's the guy. Isn't he the guy who he he just submerges himself in ice baths and yes. he can be in there for like a half hour? Yes. And, you know, he he claims it's. Be, I mean, I mentioned you know, it's like he he probably has stunning genetics. But it's also he has this breathing technique where it's essentially kind of mind over matter. You can yes. you can concentrate. You can if you're breathing properly, you can get blood flow in the right places. You can do you know you can you can you can strengthen your body essentially. And there's you know sometimes it gets presented as a little hocus pocusy, but there's a lot of scientific research that shows us about breathing exercise and about uh, breath control exercise uh, and how you can really affect. Uh, circulation and, and it, in terms of how much your body is absorbing oxygen and and it's we, but we don't really hear about this because 
it's all things that you can do yourself and it's free. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. It's yeah. free. And it's, it's, and it really, really bothers me. <clears throat> the fact that we, you know, John, I mean, a system, it's very easy to make a, a system bigger and more complicated, right? Yeah. It, it's very, it's easy. It's easy to do that. It's, we see that in the government. We see that in the healthcare industry. We see that in a lot of things where, things become more complicated, more convoluted and it's, and, and bigger and, and, and more messy, but it's really hard for things to simplify. It's really yeah. hard to simplify, simplify things and get things. I mean, it's a, Einstein said that he was like, you know, as any, any competent fool can, can make something more complicated. It really takes a genius to simplify something, yeah. to, to tell, to tell you the scientific proof, the scientific equation in one elegant phrase. And that's it. And and what we're seeing is what I'm seeing in Spain is just this. And we have three vice presidents now. It's it's obscene. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's just, the government gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like it never goes the other way. Yeah. It never goes the other way. And yeah. anyone, if, mind you, anyone who wants it to go the other way gets called a fascist. Yeah. Did you, did you realize? It's like the, yeah. the ones who are who are who are advocating for less government control, for more, more individual rights, they get called fascists. It's this is we're living in a bizarre world now. We're living in a bizarre world. So it's you know, I, I I call on everybody to really just do some soul searching and and think like, do you want things to get increasingly more complex and complex and messy, or would you like to simplify things? I think. People know in their hearts what they want, what the answer is going to be. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good point to make, and and I think also there needs to be an understanding that let's look around the country, and I think for a sign of hope, Sean, it seems like where the individual and the local communities have gotten together and collectively put up a protest, these are the places, at least in the United States, where the government realizes they hold the power. And that these people hold power and that we still live in some type of democratic republic where yeah. the places that are protesting, making it very clear that they're not happy, their voices are being heard. And those governments have made the decision, obviously, to ease up. And it's not to me a coincidence that a place like Georgia, a place like Texas, Sean, right, mm -hmm. where governments are saying we can shut everything down, but the people... The people are going to speak, and they are speaking. And you can disagree with what they're saying, but they have a vote. They have a voice. They're concerned. Their jobs are going down the tube. Their life is being wrecked. And if we don't take care of business at the local level and at the state level, we're going to have a much bigger problem on our hands. And so I do think it's very interesting for a little bit of a sign of hope that there are communities that are really bonding together, holding governments accountable accountable when it comes down to, to the taking away of their rights, there are signs of hope in the government realizing we've stepped too far, our measures have to be withdrawn. Even just the other day, good for Donald Trump, right? He comes out and says, and again, a lot of this is optics. I don't know if he really believes it. I think he's doing it because he knows it's it's political suicide if he doesn't, Sean, if he doesn't come out with a statement like this. But he says, look, houses of worship, 
whatever your religion is, are essential. And I think he's probably referring to the, you know, he's referring to the spirit, that the human being needs, okay, a house of worship or a place at least to gather with other people and share a common faith, okay? Something that's been done, as you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years, okay? Um, and still is, it still exists. He comes out with that statement because he knows if he doesn't and supports a church from having 10 people inside, it's, he's, it's off with his head. You know, yeah. so I think politicians wait, they see, they listen, they go on Twitter, they go on Facebook. And it's a little sad, Sean, because it's almost like they become reactive. I feel like a good wartime leader has a vision. You know, they're playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. They already <laughs> see three, yeah. four or five moves down the road versus saying, let's take a poll. Let's see how people feel. Let's test yeah. the waters. Let's do a survey. And then based on what people feel, this is what we're going to do. I think really strong, solid, good, wise wartime leaders have a vision, have a plan, have already put together the three or four or five steps to come down the road and have executed that plan. And most importantly, Sean, they take responsibility for that plan. And I think that's something I think the entire world is missing right now. Absolutely. I, I, would, I would agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I mean – Politics, I've said this before, politics runs downstream from culture, right? Like, yeah. uh, politicians, very rare that you find a politician or a leader who is brave enough to say something that might expose them in terms of, in terms of like, you know, in terms of going against their party lines or saying something that's unpopular, right? What most politicians do is they'll just kind of just kind of say milk toast things that won't really get them in in that much trouble. They'll say, oh, you know, what's the? I'm going to test the waters and see how the people are feeling about this. And they really kind of won't tell how it is. Essentially, they won't. They won't. They won't. They won't uh, so harsh truths. And this is you know much to our detriment because we have reactive leaders. We don't have proactive leaders. Yeah, we don't have proactive leaders because. When this whole COVID thing started, and I'll give you an example in Spain, you know, and I've talked about this before, again, repeating myself, but Sanchez and the whole government, they, they kind of shrugged off all of the suggestions coming from the UN saying, this was back in March, early March, shrugged off the UN saying, all right, you need to postpone large gatherings. Oh, forget about that. We're going to have a giant feminist rally in the middle of Madrid, tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have, we're going to have soccer games. We're going to have big soccer games go on. Uh, and mind you, this is after the UN four or five times from 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 and from independent uh, 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 from independent sources as well, saying you need to you need to you need to take take it easy, right? You need to get ready for this COVID thing. Ah, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then when it happened, oh shit! Everybody, lock yourselves in your homes. Why? And and oh, and don't don't use masks. Don't buy masks. Why? Yeah. Oh, because we said so. Well, it was because. The government was slow on the draw. They didn't yeah. end up buying masks. Yeah. They didn't get masks. Then when they got masks, now they're telling everybody, okay, it's the law now. you got to wear masks. Yeah. So it's like you're not being proactive in the least bit. You're, yeah. you're literally you're literally just go, you're just you're backpedaling. Essentially. Yeah. You're being completely reactive. And it's just people are dying because of that and people are losing their livelihoods because of that. Yeah. And it's amazing how common sense goes out the door. And I mean common sense at the individual level. I mean, I'll even pick on myself. I should have, even before this happened, should have already had a kind of checklist of five things you do when there's a virus that potentially could be dangerous and contagious, right? And if people kind of already had these check marks, right? Okay, keep a mask in the house. 
you know, wash your wash your hands. You know, wash your hands. Keep a mask in your house, Sean. Uh, keep yourself yeah. socially distanced from other people, especially the elderly. Okay, if people already had this checklist, they didn't have to turn on the freaking news. Okay, and be like, I wonder what the government's going to tell me to do. Yeah. And I think I'm like, man, if people just already had that checklist of things to do when put in a situation like this, the confusion wouldn't we wouldn't have to worry so much about the confusion or sometimes politicians just playing politics. It is unfortunate that obviously it happened. Um, I want to I want to pivot, Sean, to the election. I know you mentioned Joe Biden's recent comments. You want to get into that. I want to start yeah. with Trump. We'll finish with Biden and then go with our future predictions as I like to end the show of what we can expect for the next couple of months, maybe this next week. You know, one thing I think that that I think the, the thing that bothered me about Trump when he first got elected was unlike a guy, whether you like him or not, like Ron Paul, you know where he stands ideologically. So no matter what the crisis is, you know exactly how much intervention will take place you know how little intervention will take place. You know what his opinion will be about spending money. And based on that opinion, all of these states would already have done an assessment like, we already know Dr. Paul's not bailing us out. And if he's not bailing us out, the minute he got elected, we now have to obviously realize we have to be a little bit more independent. Okay? The yeah. problem I had with Trump since the day that he got elected, call it his blessing and his curse, is his unpredictability. And I yeah. would think I think it stems from this pragmatic approach. And the problem with the pragmatic approach is that many times when you just go with what works, a lot of times that a lot that doesn't get you in the vision mindset of thinking yeah. three, four, five steps because you're only with going what works at the time. And so what I've seen from Trump is he tests the waters. He sees how this is going to work at a PR from a PR standpoint. But you right. really go to bed every night and you don't know necessarily how much or how little government he wants involved. You don't know, okay, what he believes is the best solution for situations like this. So again, the, 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 the blessing of this is that he's actually a far more pragmatic and I would say far more moderate than people make him out to be because he's almost willing to negotiate, use leverage, talk with one side, talk with the other side, come together, make a deal. He mm-hmm. has that uh, niche. Uh, was that niche? Niche. Yes. Niche, yeah. niche. And But when it comes down to an ideology, when a crisis hits, it's kind of nice to know at least where a leader stands because then you can plan accordingly. And I think right. with Trump, okay, the only thing that I could say he's absolutely going to do is he's going to listen to the quote-unquote blue-collar worker. He's going right. to listen to whatever is happening in those states, those Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio states, right? Mm-hmm. Because he knows he's absolutely dependent upon them in 2020 but that unpredictability i think has really cost him when it comes down to looking at a wartime leader yeah yeah um for sure i mean trump has been um much more you could say pragmatic much more kind of elusive in terms of his in in terms of his stances and his beliefs this is this is a guy who has been a democrat for as long as he's been a Republican, right? He's kind of switched parties every 10 years or so, 15 yeah. years or so. Um, and as I've said before, you know, his a lot of his economic uh, um, 
stances are are right in line with Bernie Sanders, you know, in terms of protectionism and uh, a lot of uh, pretty left left wing or things that the left kind of claims or used to claim at least. Yep. Yep. Um, so you know, he's really kind of a chameleon. People will say it's it's kind of strangely, oh, you know, he's a far right right winger. It's like no, no, not not really. He's just loud and bombastic, and he yeah. he. But I mean, his he's all over the map. Yeah, uh, politically. Yeah, and not not you know, in a lot of ways, I see him, um, you know, and he he he's a showman. So it's like he goes with what is going to get him the most likes and the most, and uh, what is going to get people riled up, right? He's yeah. not he's not he's not going to make the hard decision of saying, yeah, I'm not going to bail out this uh, institution because yeah. this this we should be practicing free market economics. Yeah. If this institution cannot survive on its own, then it doesn't deserve to be bailed out essentially. Yeah. But you know, he, he would obviously bail, bail out these big institutions. So it's, yeah, that's, it's an, that's an interesting point to make. Biden is much more of a, <laughs> he's your favorite, man. You love that guy. What are you talking about? What's that? You love Biden. <laughs> oh my God. Go ahead, man. This I cut you a- off. Go ahead. This is this is a guy who I mean back in the eighties he was a laugh seventies and eighties he was a laughing stock for plagiarizing other politicians' speeches like you know you could say that that Trump is a as a problematic chameleon it's like well at least he has an opinion Biden doesn't even have his opinion yeah it's just he's a, he's essentially you know if you want to talk of take the perfect example of like a Washington puppet Biden is a wonderful example of that he will do what he's told. He'll put on a smiling face. He'll be all, he'll be creepy Uncle Joe. He'll touch women. He'll you know he'll he'll do all this creepy creepy shit, and then he'll you know just say hey, yeah you know I'm just a, I'm just a regular guy. This is good old Joe. It's good old good Joe. Old, good old Uncle Joe. He'll be there for you. And not you know never think critically. Just literally just kind of hammer down the party line of what the Democratic. National Convention wants you to sit A and don't think for yourself, essentially. And most recently, he was on, uh, uh, there's this um, famous DJ, New York DJ, Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God. And um, he has a um, a talk show. And so they were doing a social distance uh, talk show. They're both in their respective homes or studios or whatever. And Charlemagne is, you know, kind of pumping up Biden and interviewing him. Biden says, yeah, you know, if you're still on the fence about me or Trump, then you ain't black. And boy, oh boy, do, do you want to do you want to comment on this at all? Oh. Or should I just keep going? No, I mean, there. I think people are still trying to understand, like, the significance of what he's saying. And yeah, the fact that he's representing a party that takes a lot of pride in quote in the quote unquote civil rights movement. And part of the civil rights movement was led by Dr. Martin Luther King. And part of why King was so powerful and real for people is the message that he brought. And that was that it wasn't about the color of your skin. It's the context of your character. And the fact now that I don't know how many years, 50 years later, we are in a situation where we have the leader, the leading candidate of the Democratic Party going absolutely against this message that was able to bring so much unity and peace to a country at the time that was suffering 
from a very divisive racial tension. And I think that's what I think caught and is catching people off guard. And I do understand, okay, there are people who just can't stand Trump and they think he's the worst guy ever. They think he's dangerous for this country. They think he's divisive. They think he's not stable, right? And that anyone, anyone other than Trump is someone we have to go with because no one can be worse than Trump. Okay, mm -hmm. and this is obviously taking away some of the what should be natural criticism of Joe Biden. So I think it was just sad to see someone represent a party that takes so much pride in a movement led by a man who said the exact same, who, who said the exact opposite. Yeah, um, I really hope that this kind of takes the veil out of a lot of people's eyes and especially a lot of black Democrats. Because, I mean, it, it, it's amazing how I see, and this is really, is, it goes along with my disillusion of the left in the past two years, is that they like you if you're black, as long as you stay on, stay on their side of the aisle, though. If you are like a Tom, Thomas Sowell or Candace Owens or Larry Elder or a, 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 um, a Brandon Tatum or Kanye West, any one of these black conservatives, do you know what they call you? They call you Uncle Tom. They call you a coconut. They say you're not down with the struggle. They say you're not really black. They say all of this horrible racist shit. And, it, and it's like, wow, you don't really care about these people you just can't you just want their vote you just want their vote essentially so i mean i'm 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 just it's and the more and more you look into it it's kind of, it, i don't know it's kind of like looking it's like oh my god i should have seen all of the signs of this right yeah. i should have seen all the signs you democrats really like to and 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 the left really likes to paint democrats as the party of the civil rights movement and that is a fallacy because the southern strategy was undertaken by Democrats, Southern Democrats, right? Yeah. The Ku Klux Klan was started by a staunch Democrat. I mean, the first black people in Congress were Republicans. This is, I mean, and we're, uh, go, go, go on to like, um, you know, uh, um, like Clarence Thomas and Colin Powell and, 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 and very thoughtful, very like up, up, outstanding black conservatives they don't get claimed by the quote unquote black community yeah. because they're, they're not down. They're I not think even, I think I don't want to butcher it. I think it was Frederick Douglass too. Yeah. I think Frederick Douglass was a Republican. And it's like, I really hope that, I mean, the veil has really kind of been taken away from my eyes at this point in, 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 in making this about race. Oh yeah. The Democrats are the pro black party and the Republicans are the anti black party. You know, I, I heard a, I heard a, uh, uh, I was listening to a prominent black conservative YouTuber talk about this. He said, um, and I'm trying to find the quote, but it really stuck with me. Yeah. Um, what, what did he say? Oh, he goes, he goes, if somebody cares about you, they want to put you in a position to not need them. They want you to be independent, mm. right? Yeah. And this speaks a lot to Joe Biden saying, if you're for Trump, you ain't black. This is the, this really kind of shows the racism on the left because it's in the racism of the racism of white Democrats and, and white liberals that, Black people, you need us. You need us to help you. You need the government to, to, to set up programs to help you because why? 
because because apparently liberals don't think that black people can take care of themselves, that they can't live under the same standards as everyone else. Yeah, they think they think black people are all all victims, that they all commit crimes. They, I mean, they, look, another thing. I remember one time a white woman was saying to me, oh, yeah, we were talking about how, yeah, you know, uh, um, what was it? Voter ID laws. Voter ID laws are racist. And I'm like, wait, why, why are they racist? And she's like, because, you know, they prevent black people from going to the voting booths. And I, and I said to her, I was like, hold up. Do you really think that black people are walking around without licenses? Black people can't produce ID? Like, do you realize how racist you are? Yeah. And you, like, so it's this attitude. It's this attitude that I'm, I'm, I'm just, like, flabbergasted by. And the more and more I see, the more I realize, holy shit. Democrats don't, I mean, they, they, they only care about black people when they're on their side of the political aisle. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm like... Like I hope, I hope black folks and black voters really kind of see this for what it, for what it is. Correct, it's, and it's I think devastating. you know, and and also the the answer from someone when we bring these points up, don't just go to well, well, Trump, Trump, Trump is racist. You know, why don't you? This is right. not right. you're you're missing the point here. Let's stop, stop, stop. This yeah. is not about Donald Trump. Yeah, this is about focusing on one man representing one party who loves, obviously, and uh, it holds MLK incredibly dearly to, you know, their their life. That's what they, at least optics-wise, show, right? Mm-hmm. Stop going to Donald Trump. I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm not endorsing Donald Trump. I'm not saying Donald Trump is a good guy or whatever the case is. So get that out of here. Right now, yeah, we are focusing on, quote-unquote, your candidate and what he said. So let's focus on yeah. him first. And then we can move to something else. But that's not what's happening right now. There's a big pivot. Well, well, Trump, well, Trump, well, Trump, well, Trump. It's like we're not talking about Trump. And I think this is actually another frustration of mine because because they're spending so much time on these, I guess the only way I can put it, whether you want to call them race issues, inclusivity issues, diversity issues, right? So tribal. They're focusing on so many tribal things, Sean. Okay? They're missing out on, I think, what the left traditionally was known for. And I think traditionally, they were focusing their time on big pharma. They were focusing on the big military-industrial complex. And, Mm -hmm. and, And they were focusing on the big police state and how people's civil liberties, especially in the urban urban areas of America, have been uh, detrimented, okay? Mm-hmm. They focused on these issues, and these issues resonated with people, and these people came out to vote. And quite frankly, I feel like they've abandoned these issues of the foreign military-industrial complex, of the police yeah. state, and the civil liberties being violated, and the big pharma and big corporations that are obviously abusing the system to make a buck. The fact that it's, I mean, if you think about what I just said, how there's been a total pivot, and now it's not uncommon for the same people who used to be great advocates of being criticized, of 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 being critics of these big police state, big military, big pharma. There's now a, t- a complete pivot, Sean. And when it looks, when you look at who's supporting surveillance, now it's the left. Yeah. When you look at who should start war with Russia, it's the left. Yeah. When you look at big pharma and mandatory vaccines. It's the left. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, whoa, whoa, like this happened pretty fast. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> the same people that brought up these criticisms against George W. Bush have abandoned these principles and uh, these, these these criticisms, and it's not looking good for them politically. It doesn't mean that Donald Trump is necessarily just going to walk in and win this election. And I would say this. This does not suggest that the Republican Party is a very healthy party because I think they're a mess as well. Um, yeah. I just think that the Democrats seem to be more of a mess. And I think part of that is that they've closed off their tent. And they haven't opened up their tent and allowed groups to say, look, they're going to say different things, have different uh, uh, comments, speak freely, okay, be open, but at the end of the day, kind of come around a person. They've kind of more and more pushed people away, pushed people away, pushed people away. And I think it's it's going to be a detriment uh, uh, to their to their identity. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, the, the, the Democrats have become, and the left has become more, more and more and more intolerant just as, as the years have gone by where you can't, I mean, if you say something pro, pro, uh, problematic, something that does not go along with their with their ideology, then you are excommunicated, my friend. Yeah. You are gone. You yeah. are gone. Yeah. I mean, you, and you see this, they're eating their own. You know, Ellen DeGeneres, one of the, one of the biggest like woke advocates and, and just like a darling of the left, she got thrown under the bus because something about her workers, like she wasn't using, she wasn't using union workers and it's, and then, every, and then, you know, they start dogpiling on her. Yeah. She's mean. She's a bitch, blah, 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 blah. It's like, wow. As soon as you don't tow the party line, as soon as you get a little bit out of, out of, out of line, out of hand, you're gone. They, they, they cut your head off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a French revolution up here. They just chop your head off. Yeah. Like this is this is kind of what happened. I mean, and I'll dovetail with the French revolution. This is kind of what happened with the French revolution. Yeah. It started as this. OK, we have to take down the authority figures because they are oppressing us. And then when the mob took over, they literally started just writing all these crazy laws like, oh, yeah, you know, um, uh, this the, the church can have this power, but not this power, and people and businesses can have this power, but not that. And everyone's just kind of writing in laws to 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 ingratiate themselves. And there was all these like weird, just just ridiculous, and you know what we see on the left now, just like ridiculous identity politics getting getting forced in everywhere, and 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 it's like, oh my god, you got it's you know it, it's like it's become a circus at this point. The the yeah, you've 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 abandoned this idea of. Yes, we need to we need to curb authority and we need to talk about individual civil liberties. And instead, you just replace the authority with another ridiculous sense of authority. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, know, it's it, and it's talk it's, about talk about betraying liberal ideas, essentially. Yes. And, you know, yeah. and if, 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 if I can, I'm, I'm just going to jump back to the race thing. This this reminded me of I don't know if you ever seen House of Cards, John. Yeah. Season one uh, or two. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so so this this kind of. So Frank Underwood, uh, Kevin Spacey's character, you know, he's a Democratic senator, later becomes VP, later, later becomes president. Um, throughout the story, he has this friend, this guy, Freddie, who makes uh, this black guy from uh, from from D.C. area. And he makes ribs, right? He's got a ribs uh, restaurant. And, um, you know, he's kind of presented as Freddie's friend. He always goes to his to his uh, to his establishment. He's, oh, man, Freddie, you got the best ribs. And, you know, they're talking black in there. You know, they're all he's, you know, oh, yeah, Frank's down. You know, he's cool. And slowly but surely, as the season progresses, Freddie kind of he wants to kind of express himself more as Frank's friend or his confidant. And the more and more he does that, the more Frank 
kind of dismisses him and just consider he, you know, oh yeah, you're my buddy and everything, but let's not forget you're just my cook. You're just my, you just cook me ribs, and then and we talk and we rap, right? Yeah. Essentially, keep keeping this man down, down yeah. low. Oh yeah, I'll give you a job at the White House. Oh yeah, I'll give you a job in the in the in the kitchen. Freddie goes, well, no, I'd rather do gardening. I'm kind of, t- I don't want to be a cook. Okay, well, blah blah blah, right? Eventually, it comes to a head where Freddie says, you know, fuck you, you're not the man who I thought you were. Yeah. And this this and I thought about this. I was like, and this is a great parallel to kind of black people. And the Democratic Party in general, it's like Joe Biden and a lot of Democrats, they'll say, yeah, oh, yeah, we're down. We're cool. We like black people. We'll hang out at the barbecue. But then as soon as they as soon as they disagree with you, as soon as they say, you know, am I just a victim to you? Am I just your cook? Am I just this and that? Then they realize, oh, yeah, they only see me as as the help. They only see me as a victim. They only see me as someone who can only get ahead with affirmative action, can only get ahead with big government programs, can only get ahead because they have to be on welfare. Yeah. This victim men- this victim mentality, and I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if I see more and more black folks walking away from the Democratic Party, and yeah. not necessarily going to the Republicans. I, I mean, I, I, have my, I have tons of problems with the Republicans. Yeah. But... But I mean, walking away from the Democratic Party and realizing, oh man, these guys are not the party of, of indiv- of, of 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 helping to lift up black people. Yeah, essentially. And I think the parallel on the no. Republican side would be the soldier, where it mm. seems like a lot of people, your Lindsey Graham type Republicans, obviously John McCain passed away, but it would be a John McCain type Republicans, have no problem putting their arm around and embracing and being cool with a soldier. Okay who serves mm-hmm. for this country as mm-hmm. long as they go along with their agenda of expanding sure. their empire. And sure. I think they have the same comp- they have the same problem where all of a sudden they break away and they say, no, I think what you stand for is wrong. I'm going to mm-hmm. voice my opinion. And the only reason you're using me on these campaigns is because mm-hmm. of the fact that I served in the military. Okay, and that this is going to help you out with me promoting whatever it is you want me to promote. The minute they break away from that, they're kind of tossed aside. And I think that's something that, like you said, both parties, but in particular on the issue of race, certainly the Democratic Party is dealing with that. Um, You know, really to finish off here, you know, what do you what do you got, Sean, for the next couple of months? I know for myself, when I look at medically, I think the bottom line that I see is that. There'll be continued emphasis on sick care and not enough emphasis on health care. In other words, there'll be all this talk about this drug works for you. This vaccine is on the way. This is that, but not, we will continue to hear that talk instead of what we can do in terms of from an individual standpoint, kind of from an, uh, or helping our own immune system. I think that's going to continue yeah. to be pushed health wise. And I think economically, we're in a tough spot because here's the bottom line. All, I think we're going to have nothing but printing money. I think the debts are going to continue to rise. The deficit's going to continue to rise. I think we will continue to be in a situation that is completely dependent on central banking and the Federal Reserve. And I think this is only going to lose. I think as a result, it won't be Americans tanking the economy, but I think people outside of America who have billions of dollars invested in this country when they continue to see this practice of print, 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 and kind of this arrogance from America, like we're the reserve currency, we can do what we want, 
I think eventually, unfortunately, right now, by the end of the year, we will see a massive a massive change in people's investments, and it's going to start with people taking their, mon- their money out of America, which will significantly hurt the value of the dollar. So I'm worried about the value of the dollar this year, and I'm also worried about people looking for the next drug instead of obviously looking for the next homeopathic thing that they can do themselves. And I just want yeah. to hear your last thoughts as we finish up here. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, America is definitely closer to mandating vaccines than it is to mandating exercise or Mm. good diet. Right. Mm. And that's, that's kind of a disturbing thought because we, we are, we are privileging uh, outside medical care over personal responsibility, which is always a big problem. Right. Mm. And like you said, I mean, there's, there's tons of doctors out there, Dr. Dan Erickson, a lot of doctors out there who will tell you, the way to beat, beat COVID is by getting outside and getting exercise, right? You can still social distance. You can still maintain, a, you can still, you know, wear a mask if you want to, but it's like the people going to the beach, like warm, dry weather is what kills the flu virus. So get outside and breathe the air because out in the open air, the virus lasts, I think it's something like 30 times less than it does inside, shut inside and with the curtains drawn dark, you know, inside a house. So get out there. You have to get out there and you have to, you know, get back to get your body working again. Get your immune system working. Eat good foods. Exercise. Right. We yep. don't hear this. We don't hear this. Instead, we hear, you know, and, and of course, as the U.S., as United States, uh, as the states are opening, you see all the headlines. It's like they have them pre-written. Oh, COVID cases spike as the states reopen. It's like, well, I mean, like, is that how true is that? How how objective is that? Yeah. Is it because they open the states or is it because uh, uh, there's more tests available? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, it, it, what what is the narrative here? What yeah. is the narrative here? And I see I see increase uh, always increasingly constantly. The narrative is, you know, be afraid, stay inside, keep everything closed. Let the, you let your leaders tell you when and when and where to go. Yep. And I'm afraid because it, you know, I mean, that's, it's keeping in power and continuing to keep in power is the easiest way is to keep people free, afraid and keep people under your control, essentially. Yeah. So I'm afraid we're, I'm afraid, I'm afraid we're going to see a lot more fear tactics, especially coming up towards the election. Um, and of course, Donald Trump is going to get blamed for all this stuff that really are the state's responsibilities, essentially. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, and, 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 um, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I, I think, I think, um, essentially he will, uh, be reelected, but I don't know. We'll see. I've been surprised before. Um, and, uh, I don't know. That's kind of what I see, but yeah, you're, you're right. And I'm afraid that China is going to take advantage of, you know, the American economy tanking and try to buy up a bunch of its debt, which, I mean, China already owns the majority of our debt. Yeah. So, um, to think about that, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. When you live in the land of the free and yet uh, 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 a horrible communist authoritarian regime. And I'm not talking about the Chinese people. I'm talking about the Communist Party, the, the thugs who are in charge of China. They're the ones who are who who have our debt. Just think about that. I want Americans to really think about that. Yeah. And and think about think about which candidate is talking harsh on China and, and is actually standing up to to China. And, you know, it's a, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to endorse Trump in this regard, but it's like, 
somebody needs to stand up to to, to the Chinese government. Yeah. Because they're going they're going to walk all over us. Yeah. And, and so I think just the fact that. that America cannot function without being in debt is a very yeah. it's a disturbing thing to think about. Think about that. It's America cannot economically function without being in debt. And if we take that to the local level, we take that to the family level, we take that to the individual level. If you cannot economically function without being in debt, you are at the mercy of the people giving you money yeah you're and, you're you're a slave essentially and you can't you know, and the you, thing is is you can you can argue whether it's a good thing or a bad thing but you can't argue that it's not happening you know yeah. the numbers are in the report card is in that is the nature of the united states of america in terms of our economy we are 100 percent dependent reliant on being in debt in order to function and it's only a matter of time like in every single empire that has existed throughout history where you spend 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 you hit that level the bubble pops and things change and so that's obviously the plan i would say sean just to leave a little bit of hope that i have <laughs> i really do see some of these traditional structures collapsing I see your traditional mainstream thought, your mainstream media outlets. If there's one piece of good news I have for the people out there is we are going to approach a time in our life where there will not be a monopoly on the mainstream media. And the way I the reason I think this Sean is because I often believe that if you get desperate that means you don't got much time to live. That right. means you're in trouble. And yeah. when the media has to become so desperate, and they and this is all media outlets that obviously hold your traditional news, um, that hold your traditional news, they've become so desperate recently. And when you're desperate, you make bad decisions. And when you make bad decisions. Okay, and the American people start to wake up to these decisions, they realize that the end is near. So I do believe maybe it'll happen over the next four to five years, Sean. I believe strongly there is going to be a fundamental change in the way, okay, mainstream media operates. This is Hollywood Studios. This has to do with CNN, Fox News, MSNBC Studios. This whole way of getting news out there, getting entertainment out there, getting any type of video, audio, sound out there and video for people to watch, I think is totally going through a revolution right now. Yeah. And I think I have some hope that there are other outlets that are rising up. These traditional outlets are getting very dis desperate. I think part of the reason they're failing is because they're looking back to the past, to the traditional playbook saying this is what worked in the past, so this should work in the future. They realize it's not working. They're struggling for viewership. They have to get more and more crazy with the news that they report. They want to have more fear. They want to have more panic. They want to have more violence. It's a way for them to stay in business. I see a lot of desperation. I don't know if you see the same hope that I do, but I just thought I'd end with that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I mean... Uh, I really hope that we're observing the death knell of uh, of uh, the mainstream media, ABC, 
CNN, Fox, MSNBC, just all of the all of the big institutions. The same, and you know, I'll say the same thing for the Washington Post and the New York Times. I have read more horseshit coming from them in the past few years than I have with any other publication. And it pains me to say that because I used to really rely on New York Times to be. Uh, and New Yorker, you know, to, to be like objective and thoughtful and critical. And now it's just like, it's literally just a mouthpiece for the DNC or it's just, it's, it's, it's propaganda essentially. It's, it's really, really depressing. And, uh, and, and you, and you see, you see uh, podcasting and commentators on YouTube, you know, like, uh, for example, a guy like Tim Poole, right. A journalist founded a vice, right. Who, uh, uh, he's, you know, essentially a, essentially a lefty, essentially kind of an anarchist lefty guy who has been, you know, shunned by the by the left and, and is now <clears throat> considered part of the intellectual dark web. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, guys like him who has done his who have done his homework. Right. The, the, the average American citizen is not used to hearing someone talk about a story at length. They're just used to hearing seeing the five second video clip. Or the, or the 10 second soundbite and that's it yeah and now we're starting to get more objective and more exhaustive reporting from guys like him because they can speak on a YouTube on a platform like YouTube unfortunately those mainstream outlets uh, 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 NBC Universal and, and and Fox and all these big corporate media uh, companies, you now see YouTube is starting to actually privilege them. You're seeing that they're putting Stephen Colbert and, and all this, you know, night late night talk horseshit on on YouTube as the as the suggested things because YouTube is moving more and more and more towards the corporate end of the spectrum, yeah. and all of the independent YouTubers are crying foul and saying you're silencing us, you're burying us in the algorithm, and. So it's only a matter of time before YouTube collapses also, or YouTube just becomes, everyone realizes that YouTube, oh, it's just another corporate network, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, the, you, and I think we're going to keep on fighting for independent, independent media, independent journalism, independent ideas and thoughts, and fighting against the, uh, the soundbite style of news. And I, I really hope that in a generation... We will see a huge change, and 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 I welcome the the oncoming fight that the elites and the, those who in charge are going to try and stop the independent sources. Yeah, no, from, it's, uh, it's from, that's from, from, from speaking their minds. So we'll it, see. That, yeah, no, man, that's well said, man. Great show as always. Uh, we'll be back in uh, maybe about a week, maybe earlier, if some crazy thing mm -hmm. happens. <laughs> yeah, to see what to expect in the future. But it was good stuff, Sean. Uh, we'll be back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, next week with the Weekly Take on Young News Podcast. Till next time, have a good day. Thanks, John. All right. I think, uh, yeah, I got this.